The views and opinions expressed in Media Litter Sandwich do not reflect on the views of the network, station, studio, website, sponsors, guests, hosts themselves, anyone or anything else associated or even not associated with this podcast. Maybe not even the person that said them. In other words, do your own research and do not sue anyone over what is said on this show. I thought about new ways to intro the show. Hey, welcome to Media Layer Sandwich. We're back from hiatus, kind of, sort of. It hasn't even been a week for me, but I'm still recording, so I don't know how long you're waited. I'm sorry, but hey, maybe you, hey, maybe it'll be worth it. I don't know. I waited, what, three, four years to get one of my former students in here, so I guess that works. And by in here, I'm back at uh, Foundation Hotel in their Foundation Studio in downtown Detroit, overlooking or just looking down the street to the TCF Center, where I assume it already happened, but for me, Yumacon's going to start in a couple weeks, so we'll see what happens uh, when I record that episode. That should be fun. Uh all sorts of anime people, if you haven't heard of Yumacon before. We are still on DV Radio. Go ahead and check their schedule. See when we're playing. Uh, we used to play on Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I don't know if we're still there, but you could check their schedule. I'm probably in the chat room, and it plays first on DV Radio. Then the following week, I go ahead and put up the podcast. So if you want to listen first, go check out DV Radio, and you'll see me in the chat room. And DV, if you don't know nothing about DV Radio, just go to dvradio.net. Check it out. The DV stands for Dysfunctional Veterans. Uh, and speaking of dysfunctional, I got a former student of mine who wrote a book. Hey. Hey, up? go ahead, Lenny. Introduce yourself. Tell me what's up. Uh, not too much. My uh, name is Lenny Sherman. Here, let's get you closer to the mic, man. <sighs> Hello. Testing, testing. My name is Lenny Sherman. Um, I'm a recent... Or a, a, Recent graduate from. You Florida. don't have to say where. No, yeah, you, no. You're you're from you're from Detroit. That's all anyone needs there to know. There we go. Or at least in the Detroit area. I'm learning. I'm learning. So, uh, yeah, um, not too much. Um, been doing all kinds of smaller projects. More on the writing end. Um, I actually just uh, self-published a couple of uh, space fantasy action adventure books, uh, four novellas, and a novel, which I brought into the studio today. Our last nights on Earth. Which you the can buy video version is different than the audio version. We have a beautiful cover here. If you want to hold up, if not, that's fine. If you want to watch me point and make fun of Lenny, <laughs> go to the uh, video version. Let's go ahead. Sorry, I interrupted. No, that's okay. It's very easy to make fun of me. <laughs> oh come on! You see my beard and all the gray in it. That is true. I, I... <laughs> that is very true. Um. I don't know. You want to just jump in at what the book's about, or? Oh, well, I know. So you said you wrote a couple different books, and yes. they're all sci-fi. Mm -hmm. And I know you've written and done some sci-fi shorts, and you've written scripts for sci-fi. Yes. Um, I know I've read a couple of them, which I like because I'm a big fan of Highlander series. And I know if you had a couple things that made me just think of Highlander, or I'm that, or I'm just obsessed. I haven't figured out which one yet. Um, so, how are you self-publishing? Is is the main one because I've talked to people that don't want to self publish and they go through a publisher and then once that's over they're like well I think I'm gonna do like a fifty fifty thing next time or people self publish and they hate it and they go to a publisher next time or they do it a million different ways how are you self publishing um, essentially I was looking into self publishing I'd been looking mm -hmm. into it for a couple of years because my background started in writing before I decided to jump into film. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I just went online and I found this program through Amazon called Kindle Direct Publishing, KDP. And essentially, I just thought, well, it, it, this must be just for the electronic books, like for Kindle. But what really attracted my eye was that uh, they will actually publish a pap your paperback and there were no upfront costs, which is what I was really afraid of. I always heard that self-publishing involved, you had to actually pay for your own prints, which you do if you want your own prints, but to just... Take your finished piece and print it out, put it on Amazon. Um, 
there's no cost to you until you want an actual printed product, which I have with me here. Right. And you also have a digital product for, for Amazon's digital versions. I'm Correct. Sure too. Right. Okay. And what's nice about that is because you don't have to print print the electronic version of it. You get more profit in your pocket. Um, it doesn't cost anything to print. So I actually make a little more off of the electronic version, even okay. though I myself, I love having the physical copy, but I know a lot of people for convenience for their phones or Kindles like the electronic mm -hmm. version. So that is on there too. Yeah. And it's cheaper to buy a digital copy too, I believe. It is. Yeah. The yeah. the electronic versions of all of them are two ninety nine, whereas the paperbacks range from $5 to $14. Um, and that just goes by page count. Obviously they have to print more, spend oh, more yeah. on paper and ink. So absolutely. Yeah. So you wrote, you wanted a physical copy when you started. Correct. At what point, and I asked this because, because I had someone on the show that, that, would write like six different novels and stuff at the same time. I don't know how you do that kind of stuff. Mr. Dave Kilborn was probably writing another musical and another movie and another book all at the same time. Dude, it's crazy nuts. Um, I know what he would do is once he knows about the cover and he kind of knows what the size and dimension of the book is, he'll go ahead and publish a copy for himself. Even if it's only, even if it's only like the first, chapter repeated throughout the whole thing he'll do that just to kind of get a look and feel the book how oc like like for your first printed book were you even thinking of anything like that no to be honest because i didn't know how it worked uh -huh. um this book was a book that i wrote in high school and they all were books that i wrote from high from junior high through high school uh -huh. and uh, um that's why i wanted to get into self-publishing is because i wrote these at a very young age before i had any experience so for example this book is based very much on the michael bay and uh, roland Emmerich films of the 90s which okay. was very popular back in the 90s when i was growing up and so that's what where this book came from and then the uh the first four, which are part of a series, the other four, the novellas are very much inspired by Star Wars. You might even call them Star Wars knockoffs. And that was why I kind of held off on sending them to a traditional publisher. I figured they would be very hard to try and market and try to sell those to a publisher because there's just so many books out there like that. It's mm -hmm. science fiction is such not only a niche genre, but a, it's a very competitive genre. Everybody's writing science fiction, space fantasy, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, the film film industry in recent years is all about space fantasy, science fiction. Um, so self-publishing allowed me to just put it out there, and anybody who wanted to read them could. And, and I think they're pretty affordable. But uh, the very first one that I published, Galactic Redemption, I think back at the end of April or May when I published it, I I went back and edited it a little bit, but I really just wanted to see what that physical copy would look like. Mm -hmm. And I got it and it was like 60 pages. It's very short. You know, you write a manuscript that's like 25 pages, eight by 11 paper. You don't know what that really looks like in paperback. Right. So I got it and um, I was like, wow, this is, you could read this in an hour. But um, once I saw Which that- Which isn't a bad thing because yeah. you can determine marketing off of that too. Yeah. Um, but I, I opened it up and, um, you can choose the dimensions and things, but the dimensions, you know, it's going to change your, your cost on Amazon too, depending mm -hmm. on the kind of paper, a matte cover versus a glossy cover. And I, I just felt for my first book, I didn't want to be pretentious. Let's just right. you know, put that, put that out in the you open. You just wanted the book. Yeah. I just wanted a paper copy and it, I went to work, um, at the post office where I work full time and I, there's a bunch of people there that read all the time. They always talk about, they'll be casing mail and they always mm -hmm. talk about the books they read. And I was like, well, I just published one. And one of my coworkers bought it like that day. She ordered it. And the next week she got it in the mail, she brought it in and she asked me to autograph it, which I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. But that was kind of a, almost a dream being fulfilled just to have somebody, it, it felt pretentious as hell, but right. you know, it was really cool to hold that physical copy. And um, once I saw the dimensions, they all, they're all about this size. Uh, okay. the, the width and everything. You weren't doing anything crazy with it. Like, oh, it's only 25 pages. Maybe if I made it smaller. Oh, I could do a pocketbook. <laughs> you know, no, nothing crazy or. Yeah, it's very, they're very controlled. There's not a ton of options when you go with Amazon. Uh -huh. um, you get, I think, like three different page types, paper types. And the covers, that's one thing I don't like about it is 
you know, I'm self-publishing. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not making enough, you know, I can't sink hundreds of dollars to get a fancy cover that looks like a Star Wars poster, right? So right. they give you proprietary photos that you can use, which are, you know, like, like this. It, it fits honestly, the theme of the truth book. truth be told, it doesn't cost much. I mean, you know, you, you're in film, you know graphic artists. You know it doesn't cost much to get something commissioned, even if it's you know even if it's a friend doing you a favor, or you're actually commissioning a graphic artist to do something, or commissioning or, or even a painter, you know, uh, or a photographer. It depending on what you want, um, the cost might not be as much as you want, you know, as much as you think it's going to be, unless you really are doing like a really super in depth live action photo shoot. Um, that's insane, crazy, and so and you're just paying for everything outright, um, and 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 I mean like insane, crazy. Like I want a boat there. It's got to be a tall ship, and I want you know something something crazy like that. Other, you know, I I think you'd be surprised about about how much actual prices are because I know I've had a lot of painting paintings commissioned, and they don't cost as much as you think. Yeah, and I, I did some research, and I actually know a couple of graphic artists, mm-hmm. and um, they rightfully they they char- you know they make a living off of it, so yeah, um, it's all it's always going to be relative. But I was looking at okay, this is my first book, um, you know I I even even if they charge two hundred dollars, one hundred and fifty dollars to do a cover, I realized okay, let's see how it sells first, and okay. if it starts selling, then maybe I can use the profits to you know. And, right. and the thing was, was I published all five of these within like a month period because I had them already. It was just a matter of going in, editing them, touching them up. How do you got time out. for that? You got, you got kids, man. You got a day job. How, how do you do that? You, you know, what sleep? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Anytime between midnight and 6 a.m. Man. Um, no, like See, I said, only I, time. Well, few of those hours are the only time I get to sleep. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's time management. It goes back to, I mean, there's so many video, inspirational videos online of celebrities talking about mm-hmm. how, you know, how to inspire artists who want to be like them. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger recently, I, I, you know, listened to something he had to say about making time and, and how everybody is always like, I don't have time for this and I don't have time for that. You know, when I was going to Lawrence Tech, I was working three jobs. Mm-hmm. I had two kids. One of them was diagnosed with epilepsy, so I had that to deal with. Um, and I, you know, was trying to get straight A's so that I could keep getting money to go back the next semester to finish up my degree, which eventually happened. But, and you know, I was taking like three classes a semester while working three part-time jobs and taking care of my kids and everything else. I mean, you just have to make the time. It's just time management. It's like budgeting anything. Um, and keep in mind, again, these stories were already written. It's not like I would go home after working 16 hours and write a novel. It was more time spent with the editing, going through and saying, okay, well, I wrote these when I was 17. Maybe I can go through and fine tune them because I'm. it's 20 years later now. So obviously I want to make some changes. Um, mm-hmm. But that's also what self-publishing allowed me to do. I, I could only imagine what it would be. Well, actually, I've done it. I've gone back to some of my high school writings um, and, and rewrite them. But if I went back to my middle school writings, it just it just be so horrible. I mean, my high school writings were bad enough. I'd like how the heck did this ever get published? Those hacks over there, and they were absolute hacks. Um, it's bad to <laughs> but you. But they now. published me, which was a hack. But and I can only imagine look back at my middle school ones. Like, wow, I really didn't know how to write a sex scene, but this is really funny. <laughs> and there are there are things like that that pop up. There are ways the characters speak. Mm-hmm. When I was writing these back when I was like 16, 17, when I wrote Our Last Nights on Earth, I was like, this is how characters talk because my experience was Michael Bay's Armageddon, Independence Day, you know? So you didn't, you weren't really looking at um, a director that's known for writing. <laughs> no, not at all. These were just films that I watched that were popular at the time right. that really inspired the story. And you look at your work now and, you know, when you're in your 30s or whatever, and yeah, it's going to suck now because you're a 35-year-old, 38-year-old, whatever, looking back at what you did when you were 15. But when you were 15, 
you liked writing this stuff. I like. Yeah, writing when this I was stuff. fifteen, I knew it was hack work, but no one else was doing it. So why not? Look at. <laughs> and these. I still look at that. I still make hack work, but you know what? No one else is doing it. Why not? There's not another you out there, so someone's got to do it. Look at the guy who writes like Captain Underpants, and there's like fifty mm-hmm. million of those books, and all, yep. all those kinds of. There, there's all kinds of like spinoffs. I think the same guy does all those, but he's got to be a full-grown adult. You know, he's not a teenager. You know, but. You know, he writes stories like that, and it's it's fun to kind of look back and see what you've done and see, you know, yeah, this is bad, but I'm wondering, I mean, even even movies, when they're bad, sometimes you just like to look at them and laugh at how bad they are. And I'm not saying my books are bad. I think they mm-hmm. have an audience. I think, you know, these are written for young teens to, you know, young adults, 15 to 18 years. See, and if you had a pocketbook, they could put in their pockets because they don't have jinkos anymore. There well, I go. got jinkos, but they don't. <laughs> they won't even know what jinkos are. Uh, and let's say one of the people that keep writing me wanted me to show off my jinko collection <laughs> or to stand up. And yes, I am wearing jinkos today. Um, <laughs> Hi, guys. Because I know if I mention you, you're going to watch more. And no, I'm not standing up. Uh, <laughs> like, what pants is he wearing? Can he stand up and turn around? No, get down. Get down. Just blue jeans. That's it. I don't know what <laughs> that, to call them. That doesn't answer their question. No. Uh, <laughs> the cheap Walmart brand for $10. Oh, man. Wait, so you said your background is in writing, then you went to school for film, and so you're getting these books out, but they're from when you're a 15, 16-year-old, which is before you started your background as writing. My background in writing started when I was nine. Okay, all right. I and thought you you were pushing towards like formal, some sort of formal training or, or some sort of a job. No. Um, when I say background, it was just that's what I would have gone okay. into had I not pursued film. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the... And they go hand in hand. Well, it's like what Stephen, Stephen King says. He says, you know, they're apples and oranges. They're both delicious. That's how he says it. I love when he says that. Mm-hmm. But they're very different mediums. Yeah, but he can't direct either. No. But he knows, I mean, you know, there's <laughs> crap being made out of his books all the time. He makes... Candy. And that's what he says. Even if they're good movies, he still says they're crap. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it... it just because you're a great author, you know, J.K. Rowling writes great mm-hmm. novels. She can't write a screenplay to save her life. Mm. But, um, yeah, I started writing when I was about nine years old. And I always wanted, I envisioned myself being a novelist. Very much, that's how Lucas started. Lucas wanted to be a novelist. Um, it, it's just, you know, and science fiction was what really got me into filmmaking. Star Wars, which has got, what got a lot of people into filmmaking. I just knew that... Whenever I decide to bunker down and get financing to make a feature film, it's probably mm-hmm. not going to be a science fiction film. That's just fair to say. Yeah. It's probably going to be something low budget that I can shoot in my backyard with some friends and we'll just see how it does. You know, and hopefully it's written cleverly enough. Um, that's why I went back to writing. Um, mm-hmm. There was a frustration with the filmmaking. It's been a couple of years since I've actually worked on anything. Um, it was finding the time. Um, it was finding a cast because the friends I hang out with, we used to all the time take my video camera and go running around like at 11 o'clock at night in our like local parking lots or whatever and film stupid stuff. Mm -hmm. It was just all improvised. We love doing that. But the minute I was like, Hey, I have this idea. I'm going to write the script. Let's come back together and shoot it. They weren't into that. My friends aren't into real film. What's a script, man. We're not, we're going to be professionals now, man. That's work. It is work. I mean, the only thing I ever really shot professionally on real 16 millimeter film was not fun. It was work. So, yeah, filmmaking is a lot of work. It's just... And that was before you learned that you can't use any song you want to use. Exactly. I've seen that filmed. Yeah. (laughs) As fun as it is, I'm pretty sure it would be really hard for you to get the copyrights of Johnny Cash and whatever other artists are on it for a very low-budget film festival. Yeah, (laughs) and that's, that's just it. When you're making a film also... Most of the time, it costs money. I shot a 10-minute film that cost $500. Oh, man. It's just insane. How it, You're basically, when you're shooting a film, you know this. Yeah. If you, if you have any kind of budget and you're not using your own money, you're approaching investors, family, whatever, you're basically saying, hey, I've got this great idea. I want to really express myself, but I need you to give me like $10,000, and you'll probably never make that money back. It's a very right. expensive trade, yeah. and there's so much that goes into it, whereas when you're writing 
a book, short story, comic mm-hmm. book, once you're done with the writing, that's your product. That's it. Yeah, and a lot of people don't, like, even a lot of YouTubers or people getting to film are like, well, well, my friends and I will just do it for free, and then once we start making money, then we'll split it. You still don't understand at that point how much money you're still putting in it. Uh, Adobe charges a subscription fee. You're already paying money out of your pocket for that. Websites cost money more than just a Facebook page. You need an actual website to get an IMDb. You need, you know, everything costs a little bit and people forget how much their time costs. Exactly. You know, uh, I do this podcast every week. You know, I devote X amount of time, time I could be spending doing freelance work or which I would make way more money off of that. So that's where people totally understandable. And it is a passion project project, but a passion project. Pro, why am I saying that weird? A passion project doesn't put food on the table. No. Usually you're very lucky when it does. And yeah. that's why people are very happy when they make it. And then they get uh, uh, um, weird. Like, Oh, that that uh, that 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 Luke guy you were talking about. <laughs> but I've I even announced when I uh, got my first check from Amazon, they send you a check like two months later. It was mm-hmm. for nine bucks, and I was so happy because oh, yeah. even though it didn't put bread on the table necessarily, it was like I got paid for writing. Yeah. I mean, these didn't cost me anything because again, Amazon. Some some places do charge. There are companies that'll mm-hmm. charge you a minimal fee just to get your book out there. Amazon doesn't. Now, I think the reason they don't is because A, they make so much money anyway, and they're trying to, you know, they they make some kind of money regardless of what you put out there. Um, yeah, when, when you put up a lot of automated systems, it's just cheaper on their end. Yeah. And um, there's, like I said, there's not a lot of choices with how your dimensions and your cover, if you're not going to go with a professional um, artist. But um, I've, you know, it's it's not paying the bills necessarily, but I still get little checks every month yeah. from what I've sold. What I would, you know, what I would hope with these books, um, I do know that a lot of people are buying them who are family members and they just want me to sign a copy just to say, I know a published writer, yeah. but I'd really, I'm pushing them, you know, please read them, leave reviews. Even if they're not good reviews, let people know what you think. Um, yeah. A bad review can still sell books. I know I reviewed books on this on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash toting K. I've reviewed books on there. I've left some bad reviews. What happened after I left bad reviews? The publishing company asked me if I would join the reviewers guild because apparently I sold X amount of books that they liked. I thought it was a horrible review, but then again, why would a 30-something-year-old man be reviewing um, books intended for 14-year-old girls? Well, because I got them for free under a guarantee that I'll review them. I was bored. I was curious. I wanted to try something. Um, It was very interesting, and if I got paid doing that, maybe I'll do it again. But then again, um, how do you put a price tag on an aneurysm? (laughs) And I will say, I think there's something to be said. This is a standalone book, but I do have four novellas out there that are part of a series. There's four of them. And um, they, uh, Amazon allows you to run a promotion every, I think it's every 90 days where you can sell your ebook for free for how many days. So I, I did that. I just did a full, you can either do it for, I think you have five days total. So I just did one whole week where they were free. Mm-hmm. And for that whole week, people were downloading them like crazy. I don't know if they were reading them because they weren't, posting reviews but for like the first couple of days i did that they were each like in the top like 50 of like downloaded free books that's awesome so yeah and then the next day you know of course the sale you know the the sale was off and they dropped (laughs) but um but that's also this one i can kind of understand it's 380 pages it's a novel novels take time but a short story you know, that 60 pages, you know, my brother bought all of them and he read them, you know, within an hour or two. And he was able to tell me, you know, this is what he thought. He described the first one, The Last Jedi, which didn't make me feel very good. <laughs> Need more Muppets. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, he read uh, Galactic Redemption was the very first one. And he's like, you know how all the negative parts of Last Jedi, that's what this book reminded me of. And I'm like, he's like, hey, I'm telling you that your book is as good as, you know, the $200 million Star Wars movie. I'm like, that's not saying much. No. He was joking with me. But um, it's it's something that I really think, um, you know, that age group, 15 to 18 year olds would get a kick out of because it's a little cheesy. It, um, the Galactic Redemption book, um, it, it's definitely mm-hmm. a knockoff of Star Wars, but it's still a lot of fun. I mean, there's a lot of 
WTF moments in it. Um, he, he was criticizing that um, scenes tend to jump around quite a bit. Um, but that's kind of the fun of it. And you learn mm -hmm. as you go. And hopefully if I write five more books, by the time you get to that 10th one, it'll be so good that maybe a publisher, because what really got me into it was, I think the guy's name is Andy Ware, the guy who wrote The Martian. He self-published that. And the publisher, some, some publisher, whoever ended up publishing it mainstream, saw it, liked it, and they published it. And that got made into a movie. And it was my favorite movie of 2015. Yeah, it was a great movie. And then um, the guy who wrote Aragon, um, I can't think of his name, but he was like 16 when he wrote that. And the same thing, he self-published. And he made, you know, like four books, and that became a movie as well. So it just you just got to get it into the right hands. Okay, couple questions. First one is, have you thought about doing an audiobook version of any of these things? I know it's a lot of time and audio and even even if you're doing it yourself, it's very frustrating and you lose your voice and your mind, but we already lost our mind, so that's okay. Um, well, that's where the editing comes in. You don't do it all in one day, even <laughs> no. the, even the short one. I I no. did contemplate. I was very serious. I even started with Galactic Redemption, the first one. I started recording it. Mm -hmm. And it was just so funny to listen to it because I was trying to do it seriously, but you listen to it and you're like, no one's going to take this seriously. But what I did was I put a poll online. I, you were part, yeah. you were part of it. And I just asked, you know, would you, how would you prefer your written media? Comic books made sense. You always want mm -hmm. the physical media of that. I've read eBooks for comics and I, I don't like doing that either. Um, but the audio book surprisingly was the least popular choice. Huh. And I love my audio books, but they, yeah, they most, have to be done decently well. Yeah, it, it's very hard to have a good audio book of um, of uh, Virginia Woolf and uh, <laughs> not fall asleep. Now, if someone has an audio book of Virginia Woolf where they think's amazingly done. Go ahead, send me a clip. I'll give you credit if it is amazingly done. I've tried to listen to audiobooks uh, by Virginia Woolf, and I thought every one of them was terrible. Then again, I fall asleep while reading the book, so go figure. And people who know me say I have an annoying voice anyway, so whatever. But yeah. um, I, it was one of those things where you, there are professional websites oh, yeah. and things where you can hire actors, and relatively, you know, they can be affordable. But even then, if you're, even if you're hiring an actor for, let's say, $400 mm -hmm. a session or whatever, you know, I just said, you know, that makes sense if, you're, if your book has really sold quite a bit. If you're a Harry Potter, if you're a Stephen King book, you're already selling the book. So that makes Game of Thrones, I know the audiobooks for those are insanely popular, but a book that you're just putting out there to experiment with. And when I found out that most people would rather have a physical copy anyway, yeah, um, it's something that I would definitely like to explore. And I actually have done in the past. I have done smaller books that I haven't published, but I did just do audio reads of them because I didn't think they would ever get published. Mm -hmm. And they're funny to listen to, but yeah, not something I would pursue quite just yet. Yeah, I, I looked at doing it just for fun. Uh, I looked at a few, um, um, uh, what do they call it, public domain books. Yeah. And just for fun, I just started reading without pre-reading it, by the way. I was like, I'm going to read books that are horrible. Start with Virginia Woolf. That's why I pick on her. And it, it just, again, I almost fell asleep on the microphone. Uh, and I and I realized that it's, and I, and I Googled this, and I heard other people did do it, um, just reading books without pre-reading, it's so funny. I don't know if there's a market for it, but I know there's people that do that. It is so absolutely hysterical well, sometimes. When you listen to an audiobook too. Yeah, when you listen to an audiobook, if you're actually doing a real audiobook, you it, it, there's so many different styles. My favorite are the ones where they almost rewrite the book into a screenplay. Uh, and perform the pieces. I'm nowhere near that good. Uh, however, the first books you uh, of an uh, an artist, uh, an author, same thing, I guess. Uh, they usually the author usually reads it either seriously or tries to have a little bit of fun with it, um, and, and until they're popular, and then they could hire someone else to do it. My favorite books, uh, my favorite audio books by uh, Chuck uh, Palahniuk, the guy who wrote Fight Club. Although Fight Club was extremely popular and he got someone else to read it, which was very good. He himself still ended up voicing over uh, books that that were still very extremely popular, but not that high up like uh, Survivor and Choke. 
Uh, but then again, Chuck Palahniuk was is still a very good reader, although he doesn't have a million a million uh, characters like other uh, voice actors do. And I think with me too, when I the, the audiobooks that I traditionally listen to, uh, unless it's the unless the narrator has some kind of an accent that makes it a little like uh, the Forrest Gump books. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if Winston Groom reads those, but he whoever reads those reads it with the Forrest Gump Southern accent. So those are actually a little easier to listen to. But if you really listen to how professionals do it, it's almost like. They're professional speakers. They they're very articulate with how they read. It's it's very it's not the same thing as like your parents reading you a book. I mean, it's very articulate how they sometimes, but the more the popular ones, I ones yeah, the 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 higher paid, better ones are not okay. Then again, I've also heard books uh, read by actors, and 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 I'm very glad they have direction. Yeah, <laughs> those would be kind of fun. Yeah, I'm reading a book right now. I lost count how many voice actors on it. It's, it's an anthology, and every chapter has at least one different. Uh, voice actor on it and boy was i blown away when adrian paul started reading <laughs> from the highlander tv series for those that don't know adrian paul is with a really oh, okay. heavy accent <laughs> he played um not connor mcleod but the the duncan mcleod duncan mcleod for some reason you said adrian paul i'm thinking of the guy from breaking bad <laughs> you know what i'm talking about right yeah i'm trying to, oh man what's his jesse name? pinkman that's it i thought you were talking about him for a minute okay yeah yeah, Felicia Day is also in the same series though too, and but she was really good. At, uh, reading, I'm talking about Wild Cards. If anyone's curious, who you know, uh, George R. R. Martin series before Game of Thrones. Although mm-hmm. he, even though he wrote stories, he mostly edited. He was also an editor because they're they're anthologies, so they're written by a bunch of other writers too, which is amazing. And hopefully they'll make a series or a series of movies out of. There's talks about it like every year or two, every couple of years. And there's also many comic books, which is how I learned of the series. Yeah. Anyways, ba- um, so the other question I have, because we're talking about tr- ways to marketing, have you brought it to any shows? No, I would love to. It's just, again, mm-hmm. a matter of time and, and finding people that can kind of get me in. Uh, I've got a cousin. It's not that hard to get into shows, my friend. Yeah. It's not that hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that I've been to a million of them. It, it's not well, that hard to get into shows. Right. And for you, it wouldn't be because you go to a million of them. I've yeah. been to two comic conventions in my entire life. So I love, I love comics and, and yeah. nerdy, geeky stuff. I just never have the time and the finances to go. I went to Motor City Comic Con and um, this was like three years ago. Amy Jo Johnson was there. She was the only person I really wanted to see because I, mm. I don't go to these things. So I don't get to meet a lot of celebrities. So it was novel for me. Mm-hmm. And I went, and I think I spent, like, the whole time I was there, like, 150 bucks, and I didn't bring any souvenirs home. Yeah, and that's uh, because you went to Motor City Comic Con, yeah. where they charge, like, 20, 30 bucks just for parking, and then your ticket's $50, versus a local show, um, or even a smaller uh, local show, like, let's say, uh, Monroe Pop Fest, where Amy Jo Johnson and a bunch of other Power Rangers were at where it's only $15 to go in and parking is free. Yeah. Or you go to an even smaller show like uh I went to Midwest like, Media Expo and I went to uh smaller show. Uh <laughs> We're talking about small show. Oh. Midwest, Midwest Media Expo is it, that show, I'm sure it's fantastic. It's Yumacon uh Junior. Um, that show start was supposed to be like a YouTube type thing, but because the organizers really only know how to do Yumacon, somehow it broke down to a Yumacon Junior. That's why it's no longer held at the TCF Center, formerly known as Kobo, and they take that somewhere else, or else it's just the same Yumacon people, but but less of. Um, there's a bunch of smaller shows, um, even um, Black Age of Comics. Um, a, um, Motor City Black Age of Comics. Black Age of Comics is, is a wider franchise, but Motor, uh, Motor City Black Age of Comics, uh, Down River Comic Con. There's, there's like three or four shows a month easily, especially in the summer months. There's sometimes four Comic Cons a weekend. Every single one of them is less than 10 bucks. There's fantastic ones. And there's a lot of different ways to, to get out there. Not saying you're going to make table back, but uh, no, th- 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 there's some that it doesn't cost so much, and and you can at least have fun and and 
network and get to know more people if you have the time. Yeah. And also it is fun for, you know, you bring your kids there and depending what's going on and, and do that. I've you know, you see vendors, kids running around and having fun or hiding underneath the table, playing game boy, whatever. <laughs> you know, yeah, definitely. It's just a suggestion. And I personally oh, suggest thinking outside the box. Cause yeah. I know I've thought about, uh, different things to sell and not just going to comic cons. Um, that's like when I was doing more YouTube stuff, I'd go to YouTube conventions What's the point? Everyone there is selling a similar product. Right. I go to a Comic-Con. Yeah, there's other pod, especially now there's a million podcasters. But when I first started, there wasn't that many YouTubers. And, I, and then I would go to a IT show. There's no one do, you know, it, all the filmmakers and podcasters are all on the IT stuff. I might not get, you know, so the the amount of impressions I make is greater because it's something I'm someone different. Uh, I go to a craft show. Oh, I have fun at craft shows, and I do find more and more art. Uh, excuse me, um, of course, artists, but uh, authors at craft shows. Usually, if they're selling uh, kids books, they'll go to craft shows now, um, especially mommy books. They tend to go. Uh, they tend to do decent at craft shows. It, it, it's interesting. You gotta try different things. Um, yeah, I know that, Dave Hernan that's been on the show. Uh, now what he sells are mostly toys or whatever kind of popular time. So he's he could tell you dynamics at farmer markets, craft shows, comic cons, uh, car shows. Oh, he does great at car shows. I don't know if a sci-fi book could do great at car shows. Yeah. But then again, you never know. Right. Yeah, and that's that's a thing. I I'm, I've been marketing the book as a science fiction book, mm -hmm. and you know that's a funny word, science fiction, because there are so many. I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah, there's so many different versions. You know, what is science are, fiction? Are we talking about uh, uh, space cowboys in out west, space cowboys in space? Are we talking about are we talking about space stuff? Are we talking about mutants? What what's what's the sci-fi portion? Are we talking about a normal story that happens to have time travel? What what right. what what do you mean? You know, I is it a coming of age uh, space thing where they all of a sudden it's a, I, I don't know where I'm going with this anymore. I remember you, going into Blockbuster video years back and mm -hmm. Back to the Future. Sometimes it'd be in comedy. Sometimes it'd be in science fiction. But mm -hmm. that's the thing. It's such a niche genre. There are people who might have an interest in action adventure, but you tell them science fiction and they might go, eh, that's 2001 Space Odyssey. No, thanks. You know, yeah. so that's the the other thing too is just I'm not a marketing guy. I, I'm a creative, and I'll, a lot of times, as I'm sure you know, they don't always gel. That's why a lot of these companies have marketing companies right. behind them, which is something I would love to have. But that's kind of what I knew and, I was and getting creatives into. Creatives don't really know where to turn. That's why they try a little bit of everything. Yeah. I know I've tried a little bit of marketing, and where I realized marketing is way different. But I have fun studying and researching marketing. I love having people that do marketing on the show. I need more. <laughs> is, is I think that's a call to action. Um, there you go. <laughs> I, I, I love mark. You know, I love the aspect of marketing. I love the aspect of storytelling. I love the aspect of what goes behind promotions, not necessarily trying to steal people's money, but what, what the thought process go behind, especially when you see horrible promotion techniques, that's when you really like, wow, I'm really glad I met you. I learned so much fair and promotions. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Oh, I didn't say I enjoyed it. Um, that was my favorite part of, of telling teachers I, that I really liked them. And then I go, oh, I'm glad you enjoyed your class. Like, I didn't say that. I just said I learned a lot. <laughs> I didn't tell you what I learned. I learned, I learned what not to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a, a marketing, a couple of marketing courses. One that I remember specifically was creative entrepreneurship at mm -hmm. Lawrence Tech. It's one of the last classes I took. And it was basically... Being your own boss, but finding creative ways to go about marketing whatever you were, your business was. And I decided to do a feature film because feature films, you know, again, any feature film when you're an independent, it's a niche thing. You got to kind of find the right mm -hmm. people who are interested in financing in that anyway. And what I tried to do, I wanted to do a science fiction independent film for around 750 grand. So it'd be like a sci-fi movie kind of deal. And what I tried doing was I took characters from the screenplay, like alien characters, and there was the human characters, different ones. And I created a Facebook account for each of them. Mm 
And then I started randomly messaging people and I tried to get them to interact with the characters and it didn't go so well because I got the characters. Because you became a stalker. Exactly. <laughs> and I had friends of mine going, uh, yeah, there's this weird gargoyle thing. He says he knows you and he's messaging me on Facebook. Should should I accept his friend request or what's going on? And I, I would have to then tell them I'm I'm doing Let a marketing thing. And on the joke. Yeah, and, and it didn't that was a terrible marketing technique. But you learn. Mm-hmm. It it could have gone either way. It could have gone viral. But right. yeah, it's when when you're one person who's doing everything, a lot of the times it just falls apart because you're too close to the material. So I've yeah. been um for this month in October actually, the other thing I've been kind of doing is doing uh horror movie reviews, which I love to do. You do that every October. I try to do every October. I used to do thirty one every October, but you know, with the editing and the writing, <laughs> I would have to do those like yep. six months in advance. So now they're very impromptu, but I t- typically tend to sneak in a little um, uh, art um, commercial for the book, mm-hmm. at, you know, at the end of each one, just to remind people that it's still out there. Um, my It one recently, I was trashing It while comparing it to my book. Not that I'm saying that I'm a better writer than Stephen King by any means, right? but um, you just got to do whatever you can to try and get into people's consciousness and it's a fun book there's a lot of fun alien characters and creatures it's not a very hard read at all if you like those kinds of 90s you know michael bay films like you know armageddon or if you liked um you know any of the roland emmerich films godzilla independence day fifth element it's got some terminator in there it's got all kinds of different sci-fi stuff kind of mushed into one big action adventure fantasy book this is the michael bay of novels and I think that you're not given any credit, man. Well, Michael Bay's not a writer, or at least not a good writer. I don't know. No, but I mean, he he was good enough to make milk money. But he makes entertaining films for 15 year olds. Milk money. Yeah. And that's that's kind (laughs) of. I was hoping to leave the pun there, but. (laughs) Well, are you talking about the film milk money? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm not even saying Michael Bay is a great filmmaker, but I am saying that there is some fun to be had with his films. And of mm-hmm. course, I was, uh, I wrote, the, it took me four years to write this. I wrote it in loose leaf notebooks and then I published it years later. But I, it's gone through many revisions and um, I just had a fun time writing it. And I think the biggest kind of disservice to the book is it really should be a graphic novel. It reads mm-hmm. very much like a graphic novel to the point where sometimes it'll actually say, meanwhile, dot, 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 like literally, sometimes it'll, do stuff like that, but I just can't draw. <laughs> I just, I'm not that kind of an artist. So I went back to what I knew and I yeah. wrote it as a novel and, um, you know, hopefully. And, and that's fine. I've read X-Men, um, novels. In fact, I prefer X-Men novels to, uh, X-Men graphic novels, uh, because graphic novels often tie into a million other things yeah. or it becomes a thing where it, it doesn't sit on its own. Meanwhile, a novel will sit on its own and, right. So what? You don't have the pretty pictures. You also have a fuller story in one take. Um, And, you know, I I, I, something something like this, I set out. I I didn't write this to make a million dollars or anything like that. It was a passion project. I had a million dollars. (laughs) It was a story that I really wanted to tell and that I tried very hard to tell through the years. So Mm -hmm. to see it in a published format, you know, and tell people it's out there. You can buy it. And I, you know, I don't know if anyone's bought this one yet. One person I think has bought it so far. But the Galactic Redemption stories for for sure have sold. And it, it's it's just cool to be like, I'm writing, I'm publishing, I'm self-publishing, I'm doing whatever I can to market it, and I'm making just a little bit of money out of it. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, it is. I mean, you could say just like you know, all the creatives are like, hey, at least I made something, you know. And I feel like that that's the kind of society we're, we're in now. When I was in high school, if you publish a novel, that's a, that was a big deal. E- even if it wasn't the greatest, whatever, you did it. Uh, today, people are taking the initiative and doing that more and more. And it's still something. I mean, it, I'm not trying to discredit just because more people are doing it. Um, it's just... It's great. I think it's a great thing. And we just got to figure out ways to market it more. And we need to take time to people just need to take more time uh, to themselves and read more and not work 15 hours doing many different things. Um, Wow. Wow. Look at the time. I got to go work another thing. Uh, (laughs) uh, You know what? 
What's something about your books that you wish someone would ask you? Something. <laughs> wow. Um, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I like talking about myself a lot and I like uh -huh. talking about the inspirations for, you know, where you came up with certain ideas. Yeah. You say Michael Bay so many times. I think you have a man crush on him. <laughs> no, quite the opposite. Actually. I'm, <laughs> I'm not the biggest Michael Bay fan, but I uh -huh. have said many times that I wrote these when I was mm -hmm. 15, 16, 17 in high school. Roland Emmerich and Michael Bay, those are the movies that were making serious bank, and those were the movies that were popular. I'm not saying that those movies held up against time. Not at all. They yeah, all the movies I really liked growing up uh, either are now considered cult classics or, or considered, uh, even though if they were popular, people still know what they are, they're considered... Sides broken like I just broke my pen. Uh, yeah, they're considered broken like I just broke my pen or forgot. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully um, I'll pick up that piece of the pen before I forget it. And I'm not saying that I copied any one of those movies or I copied Michael Bay. I'm just saying this book especially has a lot of um, dogfighting, a lot of action, a lot of explosions, things you don't typically associate with novels. Right. Um, but I, there's still the inspiration is still there. There's so many different characters and so many different alien species, and there's a lot of different things going on. It is a self-contained story, but again, going back to those big 90s films, they had a lot of characters, which this has too. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just fun to, to do all of that and to just say, I don't need to worry about where am I going to get the money to produce this because I'm just writing a novel. That's all it is. And I'll put it out there and hopefully people have fun with it. Now, I've always, I've always liked reading people's descriptions of aliens they've created because it's hard to have a picture of an alien in your mind reading a book because you don't know what the author intended it, it or intentacled it because a lot of aliens have tentacles. Why not? Um, it's fun. <laughs> it, you kind of create your own picture uh, when you're reading a book, and it almost seems like too much detail. Well, I guess that's each their own. Some people like a lot of detail. Some people like just enough to make that alien race, uh, you know, its own thing. Well, how do you write it? Do you, do you go super into detail or like what makes an alien an alien to the reader besides just saying, oh, yeah, it's an alien? Um, yeah, well, when you're d dealing especially with, I think there are four main alien races, plus the main characters in the book are humans. Um, I, tr I describe um, basically their clothing, what they look like to a degree. And sometimes I go into a lot of detail with, you know, the texture of their skin, how tall they are, um, how they, you know, how one character might look compared to other members of the same species. You got to realize that aliens come from different planets. So you got to think about what kind of environments do these creatures come from and how are they so much different from this race? And what I really like to play around with was the theme of all of these stories are basically they're all wars between aliens and human civilizations. And the aliens are always trying to one-up the Puny humans. Puny humans. Just kill them all. Right. Freaking Terrans. And, um, but the main, the main aliens in the book, the, the main villains, are the Cycloids. Those are the big bad ones. They're like eight feet tall. They're basically gremlins, like from the movie Gremlins, but mm -hmm. like eight feet tall. And But they, they do human things. They wear business suits. They smoke cigars. They have very human characteristics. But they think they're better than the the humans because of the technology. And, and I, they are because, well, puny humans. But I, I kind of like that about those creatures. And a lot of the aliens in that book are going around um, wearing, you know, business suits, you know, with the briefcases and the, the tidy ties and the cigars and the things we see American businessmen do all the time. And that's kind of a hidden message in the book is big corporations versus the little people. Lloyd Kaufman could tell you all about that. See, I... I I would want to do something silly. I think I would end up like if I had a world where I wouldn't be judged, I'd be like, okay, this alien race uh, covers everything up except for their gen genitals because it's a thing of pride. <laughs> wow. I don't think they would allow me to make a movie about that. Something well, it wouldn't be about that at all. It'll just be on screen. Not even mentioning it. Well, maybe a little bit about the now I'm jealous. But <laughs> now I got to put that in my book. <laughs> They're seen as hippies, but they make a lot of money. <laughs> you just reminded me of the alien from uh, Star Trek Six, where his genitals are actually on his knee, and that's the one part of his body that's exposed. Mm -hmm. Kirk kicks him in it. Yep. Yeah. 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 Talk about having a, a third leg. <laughs> Man. 
Yeah. And surprisingly, the one thing the book is missing, there's not a lot of sex. I don't think there's any sex scenes in the book. What was I thinking? Because you didn't know how to write it yet. You're 16. Yeah, that's true. Well, maybe you did. I don't know. I don't need to know that. <laughs> a lot of stuff blowing up, lasers and, and spaceships. And Michael Bay. Flying yeah. bikes and yeah. stuff. Speeder. There's speeder bikes. They're called uh, swoops, which are basically stolen from Return of the Jedi. Swoop. Heat skimmers. Whoop, uh, whoop, whoop, uh, <laughs> I swear only had one drink. <laughs> yeah, you're not marketing my books. <laughs> so I get to say what I want. Yeah, that is true. Very true. All right, Lenny, go ahead and tell people where they can find you and where they can buy the books. Um, Amazon.com. Um, just type in Lenny Sherman in the search bar and you'll see all the books there. Um, I, I do have a website. Uh, can I look it up real quick? Because it's not a uh, .com. It's it's like a Wix site kind yeah, of that, thing. Yeah, that's right. You, know, you mentioned uh, Amazon.com. I always tell people, if you're going to shop on Amazon, go to smile.amazon because to no cost at you, you can go ahead and uh, uh, the price of what you pay sometimes will donate a little bit to charity. And you could choose your own charity and no choice to you. It's, it's like using an, affiliate, uh, an affiliate link except for the affiliate in this case is a charity of your choice. So go to smile.amazon and then you could pick the charity of your choice. Uh, here, my charity of choice is DV Farm. You can learn all about the DV Farm at dvfarm.org, which is, of course, part of the Dysfunctional Veterans whole thing. And by the time this comes out, let's hope Dysfunctional Veterans got their Facebook page back because apparently it got banned again. Go ahead, Lenny. Did you find it yet? I'm looking for it. It's, it's one of those things where it has a weird extension at the end because it's, uh -huh. it's a free website. Um, uh-huh. Uh... Not coming up. Um, Alsherman9.wixsite.com slash video portfolio. That's where I'll say that is. one more time in a beautiful package. You can find all my stuff at. You can find all of my videos, not books, but video content at Lsherman9.wixsite.com slash video dash portfolio. Wow. Um, yeah, that's why it's taking a... But if you go to Amazon.com, um, look up Lenny Sherman. My books will show up there. Um, not the comedian Lenny Sherman, because that'll show up on YouTube quite a bit too, a British comedian. Um, I have a Facebook page where I promote all of my videos, and I do have a YouTube channel. Uh, just look up Lenny Sherman on YouTube, um, and I promote my books all the time. Our Last Nights on Earth, Galactic Redemption. Just search my name with those titles, and it'll show up on YouTube as well. All right. And uh, if you enjoyed this, thank you. If you think someone else would enjoy this, go ahead and share it to them. Uh, I'm not sure at this point if I have my Patreon up or not because, well, I'm filming this several weeks in advance. So hopefully I have my Patreon up so you can go ahead and look up Toten on Patreon. Maybe I'm there, maybe I'm not there. Uh, and I'll have some, like, the deleted scenes from this. Ooh, there's an uncut version. Like, there's an uncut version of all my stuff that I just haven't released yet. And, uh, of course, you could find, if you share this with your friends, you find Media Literature Sandwich on YouTube, on MediaLittereSandwich.com, on Toten.com. Of course, Dysfunctional Veterans, you can hear it streaming every, uh, look at their schedule. Right now it's every Tuesday. Um, that might change by then. I don't know. Uh, so look at the DV radio schedule. And of course, on almost every podcast app, including Spotify, iHeartRadio, who knows what else. But you know, please comment. Let me know you're out there. Let me know what you think. Join a Facebook group. What mine, preferably, maybe. I don't know. I got a couple out there. I even got one for. Uh, um, I forgot to press record support group. Ah, yes. Uh, because we needed a support group. I felt. <laughs> and of course, there's a media layer sandwich group as well. I feel like that happens to way too many people. So I really appreciate that group. I feel <laughs> very much a part of that group. <laughs> yeah, with all the shame involved. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It, it, it's became my place to put down any type of media meme as well. There you go. Yeah. Uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed our discussion and may the algorithms be in your favor. And buy my book, Our Last Nights on Earth, on sale for $14 at Amazon.com. Thank you.